0: solo guitar is something that in a lot of ways is a fairly recent development for me. You know, of course, there's the odd introduction or the occasional thing, but I've been so focused on ensemble playing for such a big part of my life as a musician that playing solo was something that, you know, always seemed like it would be a fun thing to do, an interesting thing to explore, but it just didn't come up that much for me. Um, Until about 10 years ago where I did a record sort of inadvertently, I did a record One Quiet Night where I sort of discovered a way of playing using a baritone guitar in a fairly odd configuration tuning wise that was shown to me by a guy in Missouri where, where I grew up and when I was a kid and I'd sort of forgotten about it, and and I had this beautiful baritone guitar that Linda Manzer had made that I didn't quite know what to do with, just by virtue of the range that a baritone guitar is, which is sort of about halfway between a regular guitar and a bass, just seemed a little muddy to me. I could never quite crack it, and basically Dr. Ray Harris was this guy. He was a very interesting guy. He was a chiropractor and an inventor and a really good guitar player but totally self-taught and he had a tuning that was basically exactly like a baritone guitar from A to A and what he did is he tuned the middle two strings up an octave. And I just thought that was something I should try. And I, I did it that night, 10 years ago, and explored around that tuning and recorded the whole thing, which became the record One Quiet Night. And since that time, I've been playing a lot of solo guitar using that tuning. And now 10 years down the road, I've made this new record called What's It All About? that goes you know, further into that world and also with 10 years or so of performing experience with that instrument. of things to love about playing solo. I mean of course just the freedom of it, the the ability to kind of change your mind and sort of make a a split second modulation or find a, a new uh, way of feeling the rhythm and not have to worry about communicating that to other musicians. But I think for me, the, the thing that is most attractive about it is the sort of general intimacy of it, which is something that comes with the territory of guitar anyway, that really kind of gets a little underutilized in my uh, life. By, by that, I mean, you know, guitar is fantastic in a small room playing for one or two or three people you know, in terms of its natural projection. As soon as you have an acoustic guitar in an environment where there's somebody playing percussion or drums or even some of the other acoustic instruments like piano or even saxophone, it kind of tends to get wiped out pretty quick unless you have some sort of amplification. So I spend hours and hours and hours playing acoustic guitar, practicing, but that actual application of the instrument doesn't really come up that much, except in solo playing. I love it. And there's an odd thing that happens when you record solo guitar, which is, even though it's quite soft acoustically, somehow mics love it. And you know things that you play that have a certain meaning in their sort of non-recorded quality, once they're recorded, and particularly if you do a good job and get the right mics and everything like that, it has an almost orchestral scale to it. It's, it's something that's quite dynamic. And, you know, the whole thing of touch and sound and tone and all that stuff is, is huge for me. It, it always has been, regardless of whether it's acoustic, electric, or whatever. So, in a way, it's, it's a chance to kind of crystallize a lot of the very tiny details about sound for me and sort of a, a, a real direct link between my conception of sound and touch and all that right to the listener. Thank you. Well, like the previous baritone guitar record, One Quiet Night, this one was recorded in my apartment in New York where, you know, it's pretty well integrated into the rest of my daily life. Whenever I would have an hour or two or three or four, usually very late at night, I would, you know, come into the little space where I record and just pick a tune and sort of start looking at it. You know, I really tricked myself on the previous record by not even saying to myself, oh, I'm making a record. I was just like, I'm just playing for fun. And I'm, I happen to be recording it because back then, 10 years ago, it was a fairly novel thing to be able to record, you know, very high quality recordings, you know, right into your own equipment and not have to go to a recording studio. I mean nowadays that's no big deal at all and I have to admit this time I kind of set out with the idea having been down this road before you know this could be a record so I better make sure that that mic is actually aimed in the right direction and stuff which the first time around I didn't really pay any attention to. So I would say this one in terms of just the sound of it is probably a couple notches more thought out but more than that it's just kind of the way that now I can make a record like that that's really quite integrated into my daily life you know it's not like that thing you go to a studio and the red light comes on and you know now we are making a recording kind of thing and you know I love that too that's a different kind of a energy though than than what this was and also I didn't really have exactly a plan I mean I you know I had a list of forty songs that I thought well you know these are songs that I've played here and there you know in sound checks and so forth that maybe I could do for a record if this were going to be a record and I just kind of picked one and sort of played it a bunch of times and thought about it and you know then went and did something else and came back in and recorded it a few more times and and really kind of just got close to each song and then moved on to the next one. It's a really interesting way of making a record for me. I mean, the first time around, it was a surprise that it became a record. This time, you know, it was less of a surprise, but still kind of an exploration. You know, that's something, one of the many things great about the modern world is that we now have the tools to do stuff like that. It's interesting to look at the song list that finally wound up on the record for me because it just sort of came out that way. I mean, at a certain point along the way, it became evident to me, wow, I'm playing tunes that are pretty much all top 40 tunes and they're all from the 60s or the very, very early 70s. So maybe that's a theme. So I kind of hung in that zone but there's a a bunch of ways it could have gone. I mean, uh, you know, I might have played a whole bunch of other songs. I might have played them much more inside. I might have played them much more outside. But after a while, something just kind of started to emerge. And, you know, in a lot of ways, there's two kind of key songs on the record, which I didn't realize until it was all done. And I and I looked at the list. Pipeline would have been among the first three songs that I ever learned um, at at scout camp from a guy who had a guitar, um, you know, and I'm probably along with you know many many hundreds of thousands of other young guitar players where that was the first thing that you learned. I felt like at a certain point on the record because it it was. You know, clearly going to be a, a pretty mellow kind of record in terms of tempos that I should have at least one thing on there that sort of had a little wrist thing going, and I was thinking, "hmm, and I just kind of started playing pipeline, and I thought, well, yeah, okay, w- where would that go? and And pipeline became this thing on the record where it's in you know a different time signature, every bar. I finally did break it down to see exactly what I was going for there, and it's pretty convoluted rhythmically. That one, and then Girl From Ibonema, which would have been either the second or third song that I learned, which is pretty strange. Anybody who's ever tried to play the guitar knows that one of your first big challenges is to play an F chord because you have to bar down two strings with one finger. I couldn't really do that at the beginning. And if you lift up your first finger from the bar, instead of having an F major chord, you have an F major seventh chord, which somehow I put it together that that was the first chord of Girl from Ipanema, which I had heard on the Ed Sullivan show, by uh, Stan Getz and Astrid Gilberto somewhere right around that time. And I kind of learned how to do a little uh, version of Girl from Ipanema. So I've sort of been playing those two songs from almost the immediate moment that I started playing guitar. So it's kind of nice that they both wound up on there, although they're in pretty, let's say, different kinds of forms than, than they started. The rest of the material on the record just is really about music for me. I mean I know that some of those tunes have a real, you know, cultural connection and and uh I, I know that there 's a certain meaning, very powerful meaning in a way, in the cultural context of a lot of those tunes, and that 's not lost on me i 'm certainly aware of it, but what it 's mostly about for me is like a hip turn in the melody or some wacky way of getting from you know this harmonic area to that harmonic area you know there 's something about every one of those tunes. And it does kind of make me a little bit sad to think, "Wow, those were all really popular tunes that everybody knew compared to now when you know it's like there's not too much happening in terms of the harmonic or, or formal structures of the kind of tunes that become you know really big hits, like there you know and also the the huge variety of things that could become very popular back then was pretty cool. But um, I guess I just think, you know, the the chronology of it all that I happen to have been born at a time where, you know, there were some pretty great songs like Alfie that everybody knew and that were part of the vernacular. So it just seemed like, you know, there was enough there that it was a worthy topic of consideration, particularly as, you know, the years have gone by, I've played so many different kinds of things and I've written so much music since then of my own. It seemed to, you know, as I was putting together the list of things to play, they all had a kind of resonance to me that connects with things that I've done since then as well. So it seemed like uh, worthy topics to, to consider. A couple of people have asked if this record is sort of in response to the complexity of some of the recent projects that I've done, you know, particularly Orchestrion, which had many levels of complexity, we could say. I mean, certainly the context of that music, because it was just so off the grid in every way, involved a, a, a lot of Preparation and thought and planning. And that's sort of not even taking into consideration that the actual notes involved in the orchestrion suite itself are, you know, probably the densest bunch of of particulars in in terms of writing that has ever come up. Just kind of the nature of what that project seemed to uh, be asking for. But, you know, prior to that, even the trio records, you know, like Day Trip and um, certainly The Way Up and, and um, the group thing in general involves a lot of mixing of improvisation with a lot of very detailed writing. And people have, have said it was some kind of antidote to all that writing. And to a certain degree, I wouldn't say quite like that, but I do love playing other people's music, and it's something that I don't get to do that much because I'm so involved in sort of my own output, in a way. You know, this was a chance to kind of, like, sort of uh, disappear for a second as a composer and sort of conceptual, you know, band leader and all that stuff to just kind of play, and that's always welcome for me. I mean, you know, a lot of times when I'm kind of off but still trying to, like, maintain my chops and everything, you know, I'm playing, you know, Charlie Parker tunes and, you know, bebop and... Jobim tunes or whatever. I mean, it's kind of rare in a way if I'm just practicing that I play my own music. I usually pick other people's stuff. You know, I feel like that's an, an aspect of my thing that's always been a little underrepresented because I I guess I always felt like, wow, I'm going to get to make a record. That may be the only record that I'll ever get to make. And I should focus on, you know, sort of my own stuff for that. And that goes way, way back, that that impulse. So I think over the next years, I probably am going to try to do a little bit more sort of on the interpretive side of things, you know, in in addition, of course, to to all the writing stuff that I, I do as well. I mean, I've got a backlog now of probably about 50 tunes that have come up over the, you know, the years that I haven't recorded. So I've got a lot of that, too. And you know, a million ideas for other things. But, you know, just kind of trying to get the right balance of things is maybe something to work on in the repertoire department as well. You know, it's a funny thing now when, you know, I I see people looking at some of this music or referring to like Burt Bacharach or the Carpenters or something and having to kind of shroud it in ironic terms, which, you know, even in high school when when irony is sort of, you know, a, a big deal, even in high school I thought irony was kind of a negative, corny kind of thing myself. Just in general, I always think about like high school kids who... You know would come to school like wearing top hats or something like that and it seems like a lot of you know that music from the 60s in order for it to be validated now it has to be in quotation marks or something like that you know I, I just sort of fundamentally you know reject that way of thinking I mean to me there's you know when I think about the Carpenters for instance and the level of musicianship that's represented there and the depth of soulfulness that's kind of represented in, you know, Karen Carpenter's voice and the the kind of skills that went into making, you know, a lot of those tracks do what they do musically. I mean, I embrace all that, you know, completely. And I, I always have. I, I never felt like I needed to create any kind of distance between, you know, that and anything else. To me, it really speaks and lives on its own terms and has a sort of timeless resonance to music itself. I mean, I'm taking now music out of the, the cultural context. You know, I'm just living entirely in the world of good notes and good sound and really uh, skillful deployment of musical knowledge and so forth, which is kind of the bedrock thing for me. I mean, that's what I, I kind of live for in a way. And, you know, to me, that's utterly compatible with Ornette Coleman or, or Charlie Parker, you know, I, I don't see it as a zero-sum thing where, oh, if you dig this, you can't possibly dig that. And to me, there's way too much of that. And a lot of it comes from ill-informed critics and a sort of ill-informed sense of aesthetics that somehow got a little twisted in there in the 70s, 80s, 90s or so where people were like afraid to play like a major seventh chord you know it's like oh you know you, you can't play that that's too pretty or that's too this or it's too that you know there's got to be this other thing. I guess I sort of embrace the full spectrum of it you know and to me that's a natural way to be. So the kinds of things that that come up in any context to me I really want them to be connected so if i'm going to make a record like this i really kind of want to go deep into this world and try to explore this world completely and fully, and really represent, hopefully, the things that I love about it in my interpretation of it. And it would be the same, you know, in anything else. I mean, I think that you know, if I do a trio record, I really want to live in that world and really go down in there. If it's a group thing, I want to do that. If it's uh, something with Derek Bailey, okay, I'm going to live in that world and try to find the things in that world. Or if it's you know playing. Uh, ballads which actually to me is of all those things the hardest thing to do you know I want to go deep into that and I actually love that part of it of trying to define terms to tell a story within and then sort of you know trying to express every angle of it and try to illuminate each little nook and cranny of of what that particular thing is and in the case of this record there's a pretty clear, language at work I would say some of it is defined by the orchestration of just solo guitar and some of it is has to do with the particular tuning of that guitar you know this is again one of those records that I can't say I was planning for months it kind of just came out and you know I have many other records that have been planned for years and years and years this is not one of those this is one that it just kind of seemed to emerge and seemed to need to come out right about now So here it is, what's it all about?